0: At this time, I'd like to invite up our amazing, wonderful friend of mine, executive pastor of Radiant Life Church, going to bring the word this morning. Can we give a loud shout for Pastor Brian Herrera. Good Good morning. It is so good to be back. I've been gone for the last couple weeks. Good morning, Radiant Life Church. Welcome, visitors. Thank you for joining so I've been gone for the last couple of weeks. I went on vacation to Colorado with my family, Granby. And I had the opportunity to go mountain biking. Anybody adrenaline junkies in the room? Just me? Okay. Well, let me tell you. We take a lift, a ski lift, up to the top of the mountain. It's about 1,000 feet up. And then we ride down. And it's not sand trails. It's not like just dirt trails, real soft grass it's rock, jagged rock. I don't know how fast we're going, but it's just a 1,000 feet down, however fast that is. And it was crazy. And I haven't laughed that hard since I was a little kid. It was so fun. Like, I had tears going, probably scared to death, tears, but also just laughing. I'm like, there's more. Like, we're hitting all these bumps, going down, going down, going down, and I'm thinking, Phew. I just made it. I'm still alive. Yep, I'm still alive. And I start laughing because there's more. There's more rocks. There's another jump. There's another hill or whatever. Um, just. Oh, well, there you go. That was the best part of that vacation, hands down. It was also a very chill vacation. Um, I like to go. Again, I'm a gentle, adrenaline junkie, I like to go all the time. Uh, so it's very hard to rest. It's very hard to not go 100%. Uh, it's boring. So we go through this vacation, and, and that was the plan, was to just relax, not do much, enjoy family time, and just kind of sleep, do whatever. It was hard. It was hard. I was ready to come back. I was ready to get back into church camp, youth camp. That's where I spent my last week. I, there I get to go 100%. <clears throat> But we also had an opportunity out in Colorado to go hiking. Uh, maybe 10 minutes into our trip, we saw a bull moose, maybe a year and a half, two years old, uh, probably for me to the front row. That was great and scary for the rest of us because they charge, right? They're big animals. It's not like a horse. It's a, it's a horse with horns. So, <laughs> antlers, sorry, antlers. <laughs> so... Also had the opportunity to spend time with Pastor Chris and Rachel out there and hear their vision for the church and just go alongside them, lift them up in prayer, encourage them, and that's that's my job. That's what I'm here to do. So love to do that. Youth camp, as Pastor Matt had said, just amazing, just amazing. Out of all our students, I won't go into all the details, but like I think Avery had um, posted something yesterday on social media. Like, we have nothing to worry about in this generation. We have a generation that loves the Lord. We have a generation that wants to serve. It's our responsibility to mentor them, bring them up, and show them, you know what? The world's ugly, but man, God's already won. God's got a place for us. We just need to continue winning hearts for the Lord. Amen? So we've been learning the last... Oh, let me get my notes up here. I'm going to hold on to this table so I don't walk around. And um, But we've been learning, we've been going over a series on finding God in the good stuff. And today's message is finding God in the good stuff, understanding the assignment. And in that, I just want to give a recap of finding the good stuff, finding God in the good stuff, and the importance of recognizing God's presence and blessings in our lives. Gratitude and worship. Recognizing God's presence and blessings fills our hearts with gratitude and leads us to worship him. When we acknowledge the ways God has been present and active in our lives, we develop a deep sense of appreciation and awe for his goodness and faithfulness. Expressing gratitude and worshiping God cultivates a positive and joyful attitude in our relationship with him. Faith and trust. Recognizing God's presence and blessings strengthens our faith and trust in him. By reflecting on past experiences of God's provision, guidance, and intervention, we're reminded of his faithfulness and power. This reassurance bolsters our trust in him, especially during challenging times when we may feel uncertain or discouraged. Recognizing his blessings gives us confidence to trust him in the present and the future. Perspective and hope. Recognizing God's presence and blessings helps us gain a broader perspective on life. It reminds us that we are not alone in our journey and that God is actively involved in every aspect of our lives. This perspective brings hope, even in difficult circumstances, as we know that God's presence and blessings can turn any situation around for the good. Amen. Encouragement and testimony, recognizing God's presence and blessings enables us to encourage others and share our testimonies. We acknowledge and share how God has worked in our lives. It serves as a source of encouragement and inspiration for others who may be facing similar challenges. Our testimonies become a powerful tool for sharing the goodness of God and his faithfulness. Deepened relationship. Recognizing God's presence and blessings deepens our relationship with Him. As we become more aware of His active involvement in our lives, our intimacy with Him grows. We develop a greater sense of closeness, love, and trust in our relationship with God, which leads to a deeper connection with Him. Overall, recognizing God's presence and blessings in our lives transforms our perspective, strengthens our faith, deepens our relationship with him and enables us to live a life of gratitude worship and hope it aligns our hearts with God's will and enables us to experience in the fullness of his love and blessings there's a lot of negativity in the world but there's an overwhelming amount of God's goodness to overshadow the bad if we recognize the good finding God in the good stuff now imagine for a moment the, the journey of the Israelites from their departure from Egypt to their entry into the promised land. It was a journey that took approximately 40 years, filled with triumphs, challenges, and remar- remarkable moments of God's presence. During this time, Moses led the Israelites through various hardships, but he was not alone. He had Aaron and her, Hur, H U R, by his side literally raising hands in a crucial battle. Today we will explore the significance of this act, the lessons we we can learn from it, and how it applies to our lives as a community of believers. So let us open our hearts and minds to God's word as we dive into the topic of raising our leader's hands. If you'll turn your Bibles to Exodus 17, and we'll get into that in just a minute, but I want you to be ready. A little backstory leading up to that, we begin with the journey of the Israelites departing from Egypt. We know that Moses leads the Israelites out of Egypt after the final plague, the death of the firstborn. This marks their liberation from slavery. In Exodus twelve thirty-seven, it state it says, "There are six hundred thousand men, not including women and children." Now. In children's Bible study, we hear this story, but are we picturing 2 to 3 million people? Has anybody taken their family on a road trip? (laughs) Right? That's hard. So we we drove to uh, Colorado, and we're preparing for a trip out to California uh, for Christmas to go see my family. So we wanted to see, should we fly or should we drive? It was good. (laughs) It was good. But two to three million people. Man, I couldn't imagine that. Like, are we there yet? I'm thirsty. i got to go to the bathroom. You know, all the things that we hear in our day-to-day lives are if we travel two to three million people on one person's shoulders. As a dad, we have a household of six people um, that I leave my wife and four kids at home. And um, it can be tough, just the weight of that. I couldn't imagine two to three million people. We have challenges. We see challenges in the wilderness. The Israelites face various challenges, scarcity of food, water, conflicts with other peoples like the Malachites, which we'll read about, and periods of disobedience. Disobedience. We have disobedience in our household. Our kids don't listen to us. Our wives don't listen to us. Our spouses don't listen to us. Our dogs don't listen to us. We don't even listen to ourselves, and then we don't listen to God. Amen? Oh, that's that's challenging. But God's provisions and miracles in this story leading up to that, the crossing of the Red Sea. Crossing the Red Sea, after their departure from Egypt, the Israelites reached the Red Sea As they camp near the shore, Pharaoh changes his mind. After all these plagues, he's like, just get them out of here. Two to three million people. I still can't believe that. Just get them out of here. But he changes his mind, has army chase after him, pursue him. God miraculously parts the waters of the Red Sea, allowing the Israelites to cross safely on dry land. When the Egyptians attempt to pursue them, the sea closes back in, drowning Pharaoh's forces. Another Miracle is the manna from heaven. Continuing their journey, the Israelites reached the desert of Sin or Zin. There they grumbled about the lack of food, longing for the provisions they had in Egypt. How is that? (laughs) Oh, I don't want to be a slave. I don't want to work. I don't want to do this, this, this. No, take me back. I'd like to get back in there so I could be at my favorite restaurant. Who likes bread? Okay, I don't. So I I'm thankful for today's day. <laughs> uh, we also see another miracle in the water from the Rock of uh, Rephidim. People complain about the lack of water. They do get a, to a point where they get to a point, uh, a location where there's bad water. They're unable to drink. So what are these people thinking? Like Man, it's like kids, as we're driving to Colorado, there's a rust station there's a bathroom right there. I told you 20 minutes ago, I got to go. No, nope, we got to keep on going. We can't do that one. Or maybe it's closed out. So he gives them, God gives them water, provides water for them. Let me get back here. Two to three million people. Mm. It's after these events that Exodus 17 begins, recounting the specific events surrounding the battle between the Israelites and the Malachites at Rephidim, where Moses held his hands up in prayer to ensure victory. Let's read the word, Exodus 17. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children, our livestock, with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. So he's the, he's the middleman. Anybody in a leadership role where you have somebody ahead of you and those below you? It's like a sandwich. It's not a fun place to be all the time. So he says, They are almost ready to stone me. In verse 5, And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go, Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Masa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Then the Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim, But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with a sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it. In the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven and Moses built on, built an altar and called the name of it the Lord is my banner saying a hand upon the throne of the Lord the Lord will, will have war with Amalek from generation to generation now despite being freed from oppression and led by God the Israelites still have an attitude of complaining as we have touched on at the beginning, there is a need of gratitude and contentment in our own lives, and I believe we have been learning this over this last series. Focusing on verses 11 through 16, there is, a str- there is a call for strong leaders in the church who pray for and support those in need. I am so thankful for the prayer warriors we have that are passionate and driven to be in prayer for ours, for our church body. We have prayer on Tuesday morning. Actually, the staff get together every Monday from 10 to 11. You're free to join us. 10 to 11, we start our week out that way in prayer. Tuesday morning, 6 to 7, or 7 to 8, an hour of prayer. Everyone's welcome. Tuesday night, prayer. 7 to 8. Or 6, yeah, 6 to 8, 30. 6 to eight 30. We'll get it. We'll get it. Wednesday. Worship and prayer. Thursday, we have women's Bible studies, one in the morning, and then uh, mom's in prayer in the evening. Just love it, love it. I want to draw your attention to a crucial aspect of our faith journey, the call for strong leaders in the church. As followers of Christ, we are called not only to be led, but also to raise the hands of our leaders. This concept goes beyond physical support, It encompasses prayer, encouragement, and genuine desire to see our leaders flourish in their God-given roles. The significance of Moses, Joshua, Aaron, and Hur in the battle against the Amalekites is victory and success are the result of the interaction and mutual support of the leadership. The obedience and courage, the wisdom and support of the church body symbolizes God's presence and power at work among God's people. We must work towards unity and mutual support. The significance of Aaron and her holding up the arms is that they understand the assignment. Moses has this pact with God. They make no attempt to assume Moses' role, but instead come along him by lifting his arms for him. Their trust in God and their faith in Moses led to God's people prevailing in battle. And if you've read anything in Exodus, you learn that Aaron is a high priest. And Hur is a skilled craftsman. He actually helps build the first tabernacle. But they know their roles. They know that Moses has spent time with God. We see that in the Bible, the look on Moses' face and just all these other things. And even beyond Exodus, we learn more. They put their their own desires and wants aside and follow Moses. They know that he has spent time with God. Supporting our pastors is important for unity and collaboration in our church. I have the keys player come up. Three lessons for today praying and supporting our leaders. I encourage you to pray for and support our church leaders in their roles. I ask for you to help lift the pastor's arms in prayer and support. I ask that you recognize your assignment. We learned Aaron and her are lifting up Moses' arms because every time he lifts them up, he sees that the Israelites are starting to win the war, the battle, and when he drops them, he understands that the malachites they understand, they see, that they become that they begin to overcome and being aware and recognizing that watching I'm very observant not only in my church body but in my own life in my own heart and I understand my calling what I was brought here for is to lift up our leaders our pastors Are you recognizing and fulfilling your own assignments in the church? We need to trust in God's provision. As I said, Aaron and Hur stood faithful in their assignments, which led them prevailing in battle. Trust in God's provision and guidance in your own lives and ministries. I've been at Radiant Life Church for three years. I have been, in the, been the executive pastor for almost two years. I have experienced a lot of church, world, in a short amount of time, but I want to trade it for a minute. Many of you may not know this, but I've only been saved for eight years. I was an addict from the age of 14 until I was saved at 36. My new life began in a dream, a dream that I died and stood before God, and he asked, why didn't you tell them about me? Ten years of marriage, I had never spoke about God or Jesus as our Savior. I never mentioned that to my family. I was speechless when he said, why didn't you tell them about me? I wake up, roll over to my wife, and I tell her, I need to go to church. Babe, I need to go to church. She simply said, okay. Three to four months later, we both give our lives to God at a Wednesday night service. I knew I wanted everything God had for my life, and I was running. When we began at Radiant Life Church, I found a friend that shared the same passion for God as I did, Pastor Chris. Pastor Chris and I have different backstories, back but God has called me to lift his arms and support his vision. When we come alongside somebody, and when God places that passion in that heart for us to, in whatever that calling is, man, it is so good. I spent 25 years in a field that I couldn't stand. I made a lot of money, a lot of money. And when I got saved, I wanted to do whatever it was that God called me to do. I've had the opportunity to be poured into uh, from my first pastor, and it was just all God. It was all God. And it just seems that God k- continues to place my family and I into lead pastor's lives. Just to support them and lift them up. And I'm good with that. I'm good with that. It's scary being up here. I don't want to be up here every week. I was sweating all morning, knowing that I had to I had to speak. But God asked me to, Pastor Chris asked me to, and we need to step out of our comfort zone, be instant and ready in season, as God's word says. But man, it is so good to be able to run alongside somebody that just wants to win one more for Jesus. And you know that, you see that in their in their day-to-day lives, Pastor Chris and Rachel's lives, every day. There's no doubt in my mind. I'm like, that's what I want. That's what I want to surround my, my family with. We're new in this. There's a lot to learn. That's what I want. I want that for my family. The generations that you see from Pastor Dave to Pastor Chris and Rachel, his family, their kids, that's what I want. I call on you today to raise our leaders' hands through prayer, support, and unity. Let's close in prayer. Father, we come before you today with hearts full of gratitude for the gift of our pastor and for the opportunity as he has been given to take a sabbatical, a time of rest, renewal, and spiritual refreshment. We thank you for the wisdom and discernment of our church leadership in providing this time for our pastor. Lord, as the day approaches to our pastor's return, we lift up our church community before you. We ask for your grace and guidance as we prepare to welcome him back with open arms. We recognize that the sabbatical has been a season of growth and restoration for our pastor, and we pray that you would continue to deepen his relationship with you during this time. Father, we ask for your blessings and anointing upon our pastor as he returns to his shepherding role. Fill him afresh with your spirit, empowering him to lead with wisdom, compassion, and discernment. Grant him renewed vision and passion for the ministry, and may he walk in the fullness of your calling upon his life. Lord, we also pray for our church body. Prepare our hearts to receive the wisdom and insights our pastor has gained during his sabbatical. Help us to embrace the changes and growth that may come as a result of this season. May we be a supportive and loving community, ready to follow our pastor's lead as he seeks to guide us closer to you. Father, we ask for unity and harmony within our church as we come together again. Heal any divisions or misunderstandings that may have arisen in our pastor's absence. Help us to lay aside any personal agendas or conflicts and instead focus on the greater purpose of glorifying you and advancing your kingdom. Lord, we commit ourselves as a church to pray for, for and support our, fa- our pastor and his family and the entire leadership team. May we be faithful intercessors, lifting them up before your throne of grace. Grant them strength, protection, and a, a, an abundance of your wisdom as they navigate the challenges and joys of ministry. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to our church throughout the sabbatical season. We trust in your perfect timing and provision. May your presence continue to guide and bless us as we move forward hand-in-hand with our pastor in fulfilling your purpose. We pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We started the year off with fasting, 21 days of fasting. And think of it as a football game, if you want. I like that sports analogy. We're midway through the year. It's halftime. We we're we in the locker room. We hear the coach giving us a speech that builds us up. Let's finish out this year strong. Let's welcome our pastors back from their sabbatical next week. Let's be in prayer. If you feel led to fast, let's do that too, because they're going to come back running. So blessed to have each and every one of you thankful for your hearts thank you for pouring into me and my family i love you all be careful what you watch be careful what you listen to and be careful what you talk about savor the presence of jesus have a good day